Today marks the countdown to 10 days until Christmas. And as a special treat, I am joined by an incredible guest to share our own child life take on Oprah's favorite things. Join us as we share about some of our favorites of the profession, resources available in the community, interactions that didn't go the way we hoped they would, and the parts of the job that bring us the most joy of all, these incredible, resilient kids. Welcome to Wondercast, a community collaborative podcast supporting families navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Today, I am joined by Shani Thornton, veteran child life specialist, published author, advocate for child life and community-based programming, and the individual behind the much-respected private practice, Child Life Mommy. 10 Days Till Christmas, our own Child Life Favorites countdown. Here we go. Let's meet Shani. Hi, guys. Thank you so much, Julie, for having me. Um, yes, I'm Shani Thornton. I've been a certified child life specialist for a little over 15 years. And I am located in Northern California at a tiny little town called Loomis. And I have a private practice. So I specialize in working with children and families who are coping with life stressors of like illness, grief and loss, and medical and dental trauma. So I go into their homes and I work with them privately and provide support, but I also do a lot of workshops within my community, as well as just kind of connect and network and support families kind of wherever they need. So sometimes it's also virtually and it's out of my area. That's so unique to I feel like what child life is able to provide. So your scope is much more within the walls of your world, your communities, your schools, your your neighborhoods. I think that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. And so it's exciting. And I'm also a registered Wonders and Worries provider. So I went through that program right before the pandemic hit. So we were the first cohort to go through it in person. So I'm able to use that skill set and provide services to families. So it's not always just based out of Austin, Texas. There's many of us kind of throughout the United States. And then again, we can provide that virtual support as well. Well, I am so grateful to have you here today as our season closer. We are taking on our own little take of Oprah's favorite things. We're doing our own child life specialist favorite things as two veteran child life specialists that work specifically and outside the walls of your traditional child life settings and just kind of sharing some of our top 10 favorite things on different topics. Know that these may not be your favorite things, listeners, and that's okay. We will be linking a lot of the things that we talk about in our website So if you're listening on Apple or on Spotify, the links may not be on there. But if you go to our actual website on the podcast tab, it will be linked there. So first, I think with child life, we cannot overlook our favorite thing about working with kids. I think that's probably the foundation of who we are as a practice in general. Shani, I'll let you start with that as my guest. What would you say is one of your favorite things about working with kids? Oh my God, there's too many favorite things. Um, I know. So I've been in this field for so long. I think just the basic that kids are so honest. When you build that rapport with them and that foundation of trust, they can open up and they're so honest with you. They're very raw with their emotions, their thoughts, how they process stuff. 
and they are the most resilient human beings on this planet. And that for me is probably my favorite thing. That's what I always try to tell parents. I'm like, your kids are so resilient. This is a life crisis that you're going through right now. But with the right support and the right navigation with coping skills, they're resilient and and you're going to learn from your kids. So that's that is probably the ultimate that they're just such amazing souls. I was going to say truth telling honest too. the that was going to be mine as well. I was kind of thinking about a kiddo I was working with during the pandemic to stay open. We went virtual and I was working with a six year old and he used to always whenever he was talking about his dad's illness or any part of it that was kind of gross to him, he would lean in really close. So his dad wouldn't hear and I'd just see his nostrils on the screen so he could whisper. So he could whisper and not hurt dad's feelings in the other room. And it was all like the secret truth. And I had to be like, hey, dad's okay with you saying this. He wants you to talk about your feelings. But it would just be the whole screen would just be the nostrils. It was my favorite. Oh my God. That's Um, amazing. It was my favorite. And then I was also going to say the magic. I just love kid magic. I was driving my daughter and her friend home on Friday from school and they're in second grade and they both stuck their head out the window and they were like, hey, let's eat the air and see what it tastes like today. And they were like (laughs) trying to like gobble the air up and they were like, oh my gosh, I taste popcorn and autumn and oh, I think I taste a s'more and I was giggling to myself because I thought, oh, you're going to taste a bug in a minute. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but also just that magic. I was just kind of thinking about driving home and not thinking about like eating the air and just kids are so magical. They just are so fun. So they are, they are, they're, they're so amazing. So nine would be our favorite. We do have a lot of healthcare providers and child life specialists and educators and counselors and social workers that do listen in for this podcast. And so this one is going to be for them because I think it's important to acknowledge while even though we've been in this field for a long time, I think we probably both originated in the hospital environment because that is where child life used to always only be. I feel like it's important to know that a lot has gone wrong still for us and we are... (laughs) constantly (laughs) yes constantly growing and learning and you learn through your mistakes sometimes so I think that this one should be our favorite interaction that maybe has gone I hate to say wrong but like maybe maybe not the way we originally intended it to go so do you want to take this first or do you want, <laughs> yeah. do you want me There's to actually, take this? I'll take this one because it was, uh, it's pretty fresh. This actually happened okay. maybe a month ago. Um, and it, it had to do with, I was doing a memory making activity with the family. And so we were doing hand molds and I was using a different version. Instead of dipping your hands in a bucket, we were going to do it on like, kind of like on a board and then I covered it with like a garbage liner and then I was going to dump the mold on top of their hands and then like create like a casting shell so that when I peel it off and flip it over I could do the plaster so I did not have the right material I used a different product that I wasn't familiar with and we set it all up 
and I start putting the stuff on their hands and it is literally like not even slime. It's it's like such a liquidy formation. It's not like that thick cake batter to create the mold. It's just sliding off the table and I'm like trying to scoop with all four of their <laughs> hands together. And it's just all, it's all over the place. It's, I'm like, this is, this is a Pinterest fail in the worst way. And I'm trying to create a legacy <laughs> moment and it's not happening. So it didn't work. I tried for several minutes and then the sweet patient was getting really agitated. She was like, I don't want to hold my hand here any longer. So she pulled away and it was just, it was done. From, but from there, the best part was like, I was mortified and the dad was trying to help me clean it up. And he opened up his daughter's bedroom window and just like brought the trash can around to the side so we can just basically take this lump of junk and throw it away because it didn't work. And as he's walking away with it, as I hand it to him through the window, their gigantic German shepherd leaped over me and then leaped through the window. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Um, but it ended up being really an amazing session because there was so much joy and laughter. So the product itself was a fail. But I will say the best part was then we just went and did like canvas handprints on a poster with paint. And so they did the whole family, they did both of their German shepherds, and then they had a cat. And the mom was like, I want the cat's handprint. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Let's, let's do, do it. Let's do so it. So she, she goes to put the cat's hand, the paw print on, and the cat is shrieking this high-pitched scream. And I literally fall to the floor laughing so hard, afraid that I'm going to pee my pants. I can't. I'm like, I'm supposed to be the one helping, and I am on the floor. I'm laughing. So <laughs> it was the best. And she's, like, yelling at her other teen daughter, like, help me. And she's like, what do you want me to do? Like, the cat is screaming because you're smashing its paw on a canvas. But it was a fail, but it ended up being a great moment. And so I ended up doing it again, and it worked. The right product next time worked. But, you know, getting to be in someone's house sometimes, yeah. that's the gift, <laughs> right? You get spontaneous, like, let's add the cat paw. Let's have a dog leap through the window. It was definitely a fail, but it was, it ended up being a relief. It was a core memory. Like, I was like, this is going to be a core memory forever <laughs> for me. It was so funny. The day I peed my pants in someone's yes, home. <laughs> literally. I was like, this is what happens after you have kids. And they say, like, you can't hold it. I was literally on the floor crying and laughing. Oh, so, okay. You know. So you did a recent one. So I, <laughs> I, have, I have so many. But I oh. will do... I will do a baby one, like baby child mm. life days. So back in my early days, I first started working as a professional child life in PM&R, so pulmonary rehab. So working with kids that were on ventilators or children that had sustained traumatic brain injuries or brain tumors or spinal cord injuries. And I was training at my first job in Dallas coming fresh off an internship. So here... I was pretty good at my internship and I thought like, I know my stuff. I'm, I'm ready. Back then, Child Life was not our own Child Life department. We were a part of the therapy team. So the speech therapist and I were going to go and do a session with a kiddo that was in a coma. And so she was going to go and get some different stuff and doing a coma assessment. 
because I was brand new and felt like I knew way too much, said, well, I'll just go ahead to the room and wait for you. And she's like, okay, that's great. And so on TV, you think that people in comas, you see them like laying in bed, super still, and their eyes are closed. And so I didn't read the chart before I went in the room, which was mistake number Uh like 12, (laughs) mistake number 12. I'd made a million (laughs) mistakes already. And I walk into the room and I see this adorable teenager that's just, you know, sitting in a wheelchair, eyes wide open, scratching their head. And I go to the mom and I introduce myself that I'm, you know, Julie at the time I wasn't married. And I use my maiden name, Julie Welch, and I'm a child life. And I'm so excited to meet them and was talking to this teenager. I just, wow, you're so tall. It's just so nice to meet you and just chatting them up. And the speech therapist comes in and is just kind of looking at me funny. And I'm just talking to this teenager, really trying to build some rapport. And the mom is like, you know that he's in a coma, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. And like backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. And I was like, nope, not a clue. And I was like, you know, just still just wanting to talk to him and just like, you know, really trying to like normalize the fact that this child's in a coma. And no, I had no clue that that children or adults with in a coma have their eyes wide open and do normal reflexive behaviors. It was a huge learning curve for me. And then there was a physical therapist who was a room over who was kind of started at the same time as me and we were around the same age. Afterwards, she came up to me and she's like, okay, full truth. Did you really know that that kid was in a coma? And I said, no. <laughs> she goes, me neither. She goes, I saw them. She goes, I saw them next. And I was like, note, that kid's in a coma. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I've learned so much in one day. She's like, thank goodness you went in first because I would have done the same thing. And it just taught me always look at the chart and know that I don't know everything. Talk to my supervisors first and wait for them <laughs> to go in with me. So I don't know. Yeah. I think that that would be a very common one though, right? Like not yeah. a lot of people would know that. I know. But I made a point with every student I had afterwards to be like, hey, so what you see on TV, like I know, yeah. I know you think you know, you don't know. And then when no. I was working in the ER, I was like, remember Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. That's not, that's not real. Like that's not how it really goes down. So just like no. take that and throw that away. That's not, that's not what it's going to be like here in the ER. Whoops, right. whoopsies. Whoopsies. So, but I still did chat the kid up, which you really should do to any child yeah. in a coma. That's not bad. Um, okay, so number eight. Oh, I like this one. Our favorite icebreaker with kids. You can pick mm-hmm. any developmental level. So, do you have like a go to icebreaker you love or something you love? You know, I do a couple things. One, I like to play games. So I'll play like Jenga, Uno. Um, oh, what's it? Like, uh, Don't Break the Ice. I love that game. And yeah, that's a good one. And sometimes I'll throw like the little questions in there, you know, so if they pick the pick the color and it matches to the questions, like, you know, just those like, who are you type of questions. So I'll either do those or if it's a child who's like not interested in the game, I'll do like an all about me type of activity like a template of like what are their favorite things who's in their family their likes and interests just to kind of break it and sometimes I'll do one alongside of them right so it's not just focused on like them creating something icebreakers for me I love jokes 
I am a jokes mm. joke person. Um, I don't care who you are. Jokes. People may say they don't love jokes, but they do. It can break tension so quickly. And I think that really stemmed probably from my time working in the emergency department because you just don't have a lot of time to build rapport. And it's no. a really intensely stressful environment. So if you're walking into a procedure that really is about to start and you need to get in quickly, a joke is a great way to de-escalate some stress. And I've kind of learned with kids and with parents, it's a great way to kind of ease the tension back. So I'll ask, you know, kids, like, do you have a joke you love? And sometimes kids surprise me and they have really good ones. Do you want to hear one of my favorite ones? Yes, please. Okay. I have a million, but one of my favorite ones. Okay. Why do rappers need umbrellas? I don't know. Faux drizzle. Uh (laughs) That's like a dad joke. I have so many dad jokes. Oh, I have so many. I have tons. I have tons. But that one's fun with teenagers, too, because they're always like, oh, my God, I cannot believe you just said that. Yeah. I was like, I know, but it's so fun. Also, I love challenges like you games, but like challenges for especially I run our teen group at Wonders and Worries. So anytime you can do like a minute to win it challenge Mm. or like how many sticky notes you can stick on your face or like putting those big marshmallows in your mouth and saying like, I'm a chubby bunny. Yes. And like seeing how many more you can put in. Those are so fun. And just anything you can do to be like a joke, right? Like to make yourself be silly. I think once you can be silly, you can pave a way for vulnerability. And once we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, then we can do anything. So yes, absolutely. I totally agree on that. Yeah. Okay. I'm just terrible at repeating jokes. So kids can tell me and then I'm like, uh, my dyslexic brain can't put it together the correct way. <laughs> You're like, it's all. gone. It's gone. And I gave the punchline during the intro. Oh. And it's just not good. You're like yeah. my son when he was little. He would just be like, hey, mom, knock, knock. And it would be like yeah. the same knock, knock. I'm like, but you have to keep yeah. going, buddy. Like, there's more. Like, we got yeah. to quit knocking. No, there's more. <laughs> I'm no still more. knocking. No more knock, knock. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so now we are on what we're on number seven. Seven. Okay, favorite feelings, art, game, or activity. Mm. Oh, you get to do what's a lot at the of t- I know there's so many. I know. Oh, okay. Um, I would say mask making is one of my favorites, especially with teenagers. Um, but masking. I think you could do it with school age. Mm-hmm. Love that. I love the the inside, outside, and kids totally get it. Um, Maybe explain that activity real quick on here so families so know. If you do a mask, I like to do um, not just like a paper mask, almost like a full facial mask, right? Where you could take the mask and literally put it over your face. It's like, I think you can get them at any art store. Um, they're usually white so that you can paint them or add, you know, Mod Podge or, or markers, whatever you want. And I explain it of like how we hold our feelings, like what we show on the outside sometimes doesn't really match what is on the inside. And so they have two ways that they can do this activity. And um, I give them the choice on if they want to start on the inside or the outside or however they want to do it. And it really tends to have them go pretty deep. Um, Sometimes kids will just connect a color to an emotion. Sometimes they'll write words. Sometimes they'll put symbols. 
every mask that I have done over whatever, you know, 15 plus years is, is very different. And they always blow me away. They're just so unique. So that's probably one of my favorites, but I also, there's so many others. I love volcano making and having kids, you know, write or draw feelings and put it inside the volcano and then having it explode. Um, oh my God, sensory activities, glitter jars. Oh, there's, there's too many. Oh, there's so many. I love things that you can find in your household are kind of my favorite. So if you're a parent listening in and you're like, what can I do with my kids? So if you take a dish and put Skittles and put milk, um, you can add Dawn dish soap and it can become messy milk. And mm. you can talk about how each, maybe each color Skittle represents a feeling and you have these feelings and we talk about maybe we have a lot of a certain feeling right now and you put it all in the milk and then when you add the catalyst which is the dawn mm -hmm. it makes the colors swirl and we talk about how sometimes our feelings can get all mixed up and how does that make us feel and mm -hmm. sometimes it feels like a storm or it can feel like a swirl and but sometimes out of that beautiful things can happen and it kind of looks like tie-dye as it's yes. swirling and oh i just i love that it opens conversation and it lets Parents, I love parents when they have the opportunity to do feelings art alongside their kids. I think it helps the kids feel validated and seen and to know like, oh, I'm not alone in this or, oh, my parents are struggling with their feelings too. And mm -hmm. so those are, that's the beauty of being able to be in a person's home, right? We can do these family sessions and like yeah. these opportunities to build this, this time together, especially when you're processing ongoing loss or ongoing illness you have you have the time to be able to do that and to to process those big feelings yeah absolutely i do that one a lot sometimes i didn't haven't done it with the skittles but i'll use food coloring mm -hmm. right yeah. and have them drop the food coloring in yeah that's a yeah. good one the skittles is nice because then the kids are like can i eat it afterwards I'm yeah. like, we can have the ones that are not coated in milk not and dish milk <laughs> yeah Ooh, no um but yeah candy for the win um, okay, so number six, our favorite distraction item or toy for procedures. This could be for as mm. parents per, like doing it or as child life specialists, like the sky's the limit. So, Ooh, okay, so there's a couple. One, you don't need anything but your voice and playing I Spy, right? So you don't need to mm -hmm. purchase anything. I like playing I Spy and distract my kids you know, comfort position, comfort hold to help them. And then the other ones that I definitely lean on would be Buzzy. So it's the little Buzzy Bee that you can put on your body wherever you're going to get like a needle injection that'll help numb the area and VR headset. So that's really good for kids who need a visual block. So you don't have to do anything expensive. Like I got a cheap one, maybe around like the $45, $40 mark on Amazon. And then I just find like a VR game on my phone and I just put it inside and then they are totally in tuned to whatever they're watching and listening to. And that is a great distraction for some. Doesn't work yeah. for everybody. I think even Amazon has the boxes that yes. you can buy. I think those are like $10 that you can fit your phone in. And it is the box shape one that you then mm -hmm. like, like Shani said, just use the app or even a video of a VR that's on YouTube that you can yep. YouTube it and watch it for free. 
and get just get through a procedure. But yeah, for yeah. kids that need to look or have trust issues, that things are going to happen that they haven't been told, that may not be your best option. It's but <laughs> That doesn't work for them because then no. they're like peeking through. They're like, what? What's going on? When? And I'm like, okay, yeah. this is making it worse. So let's take that one. But for some, it is actually an amazing yes. tool. If you have a kiddo that is pretty good at being stationary with their other hand, we will even do like a thumb war mm. or we have done a game where like pretend we're playing a piano, like an air piano and or even the game where you're trying to like hip flip. But instead of mm-hmm. doing it, we're just doing the tickle game where it's they're having to be really still and then listening for the tap and they're trying to guess what letter I'm writing on the palm of their hand or something like that, because then they're being really still, but they're concentrating so hard to feel what that other letter is, that they're really not paying attention to what's happening on the other hand. Or you can still be talking through it like, okay, here's that tight rubber band, or here's that cold soap. But they're so focused on trying to guess what you're spelling out on the other hand, that you can just insert those little steps along the way without really drawing that much attention to it. Yeah, I love that. I love the hand one. Ooh, I'm going to use that. I know anything you can do that you don't have to have supplies for. I think yeah. we get, I think that staff is really quick sometimes to say like, oh, go get your tablet or oh, go be in the tech world. But sometimes that can be, you're relying so much on, is that charged? Is that happening? Mm-hmm. I made the mistake once with my daughter of introducing her to Fruit Ninja <laughs> for an <laughs> IV and I didn't think that she'd be like shaking her body so much. And I was like, oh, no, this is a mistake. It's not. And I know, like, I've been in the field a long time. And I was like, nope, this is not going to work. So, no. Yeah. And we did not have iPads. No. Then I was like, we didn't have an iPad when I went through school. Like, that didn't exist. No. We had our body and our voice. Like, you don't have time sometimes to grab a coping kit, like, to bring it in. (laughs) We would get all these donations that would come into the hospital and we would get so excited if there was an I spy book in it. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I spy book. I use I spy. I still use it. Look and find all the time. time. Oh, all the time. I actually prefer those because you have better ability to adjust it to whatever position you want than you do a tablet that's just like an isolated little screen. So Mm -hmm. no, I totally agree. Yeah. You can always spot the veterans when they yes. don't. <laughs> I still have my old school look, um, you know, the look, the viewfinder, viewmaster. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm staring at it right now. I use that one still. Yeah. And <laughs> the and, original VR. And bubbles, right? Like when I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, we need bubbles. to take a deep breath. Let's blow a pinwheel. Let's blow some yep. bubbles. Number five, favorite calming activity for kids. Oh. Uh, Let's see. I think sensory activities like Play-Doh, Model Magic. I'll do um, sand play, like in a sand tray. I'll get like beans and different different items, like sensory stuff, and let them kind of calm down. I think that helps regulate kids a lot, that sensory type of play. And then if they're not into that, sometimes we'll just do painting or even basic ones where you don't need anything. We'll, t- we'll do like name four things you see, name three things you hear, smell, like going through the five senses and breaking that down because that will click into their mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. And um, that helps a lot. I do that a lot with my son, especially at nighttime. He'll start to get like, we have these worries about things. And I'm like, okay, like, can you name three things you see, two things you smell, two things you hear? 
and it kind of just centers them. So those yes. are some really easy ones you can do. I think grounding exercises like that are what I do the most with, especially my teen population. They utilize that the most at school. I think anything that you can do where your peers may not be aware that you're using that tool is really helpful for them because they're able to center and calm and not draw attention to themselves. Mm -hmm. So I had one kiddo I was working with who had a lot of anxiety with a lot of noise their whole class had to go to pep rallies and they they could leave if they had to, but they were really working on trying to being able to stay with their class. That was a goal that they had personally set for themselves. They really utilized that five, four, three, two, one a lot mm. and would say like, okay, I'm in this pep rally. I'm starting to feel my heart rate go up and I'm breathing and the noise is kind of bothering me. I'm going to instead focus on like, what are five things that I see? What are four things that I hear? What are three things that I can touch, you know, and just kind of bring it through your emotions all the way back to your taste, which is the hardest one, right? Because that's just like yeah. the one. Yeah. Um, What's in my mouth? Doritos. I have that for lunch, yeah. you know, like that's my spit. And so, and then my other favorite one, and I do this a lot with kids who have also had loss. But is we make these little calming fidgets. Like you can adjust it to however you want. But for kids that really need something to hold on to, you can take a popsicle stick and a pipe cleaner and put like five beads on it. And each color of the bead can represent something that they are going to do. Like maybe I'm going to take four deep breaths. Or maybe I am going to, you know, tap my foot ten times slowly. Or maybe I am going to think of my favorite place to go play outside. And for each time they do that, they move a bead up from the bottom of the pipe cleaner to the top. So just help giving them that physical object to help with mindfulness. The way we adapt it for loss is they might pick something like maybe this blue makes me think of my dad's favorite shirt that he used to Mm. always wear. Or the purple makes me think of when we visited you know, Yellowstone, and we were looking at the sunset together, and that was our favorite vacation. And so they would move that and think about that happy memory. So a lot of our older kids will say things like, I really miss my parent when I'm at school or when I'm at, Mm. you know, in this other moment. And so they have this tool to be able to move the bee to have like a remembering activity. And so you can adapt a lot of these to be whatever calming situation you need it to be. But that's one that I love a lot is beads, using little items that they are everyday items that can then represent whatever you need it to represent. Yeah, that's a great one. And I think with the foundation of child life, what we really stand for is preparation. Whatever you can prepare this child for this activity to represent, that's the tool that it becomes. And so that's what I love the most. Yeah. Okay, so number four your favorite children's book supporting loss. And you posted about oh. this this week, didn't you? Did I, I have um, yeah, I have a huge list of grief yeah. and loss books, but I think the ones that I probably use the most is The Invisible String. Mm-hmm. That's definitely my go-to. Um, the Memory Box, Ida Always. Um, God, there's, there are so many ones. And then I, and then I, Break them down to like developmentally mm-hmm. what's appropriate. Like um, Eddie's Brave Journey. That's a great one for like preschool age kids to help them cope with loss. Um, 
I honestly, there's too many to choose. I know. And they're just getting better and better. Like they that's are. the are. That's the remember thing. the beginning they had like um lifetime. And my favorite one, I feel like there's tons for the younger picture book age, but my favorite mm-hmm. for teenagers is the Dougie Center out of um Oregon has mm-hmm. has my favorite journal. It's a grief journal for teens called is this Fire in the Ice. No, I or, love that one too, uh, but fire this one in the heart Fire in the Heart, Ice My Veins. I love that one. But this one is called Deconstruction Reconstruction. And the deconstruction is crossed out. But um, it is phenomenal. It has a lot of writing prompts. It has a lot of open spaces for just free art um, Mm -hmm. and different forms of expression. I like how the journal opens up from the start and says that there is no one way to grieve. There is no timetable for grief. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it validates these teenagers right from the beginning, which is such a beautiful way to connect with teenagers. And so I've I've shared this one a lot with my teenagers, and I feel like they've I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. So it's probably my favorite one for that age group. Anything that's interactive and something yeah. they can go at their own pace that kind of involves more than just one like reading because a lot of them want to do other things they want to make yeah. a playlist they want to you know design something or you know write a poem like different mediums this kind of brings that in which is lovely okay those are all great i also love the rabbit listened that oh, one yes i use that one I a lo- lot i do yes. too and that's for younger crowds but yes. oh i love that one. i love rabbits <laughs> so mm-hmm. in general and so this one oh i love that one i think it's i love a- using that one too for like trauma right mm-hmm. like if a child has gone through something traumatic yeah it doesn't even have to because there's so much grief and loss involved with just like illness right it doesn't have to be death no no um, not at all all of so. this is grief and loss that they're coping with that's and i love that book as well Ooh, and just so the way good that, ones. Yeah, I know. It's just getting better and better. So if you feel like writing a book on grief and loss, go for it. We yeah, need more. Sh- yeah, just keep tell, it coming. Tell me about it and I'll keep, yeah. I'll let people know too. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So number three, your favorite way to honor someone's Ooh. life. So an activity of remembrance. I think this is really <laughs> important right now around the holidays. We have a lot of people yeah. that maybe are experiencing lots of firsts or maybe mm-hmm. a loss. Um, around the holidays and it it helps to kind of have some ideas on how you want to remember that or honor that person's life yeah there's again there's so many great ones with that um i think uh, the one of the first things i do with kids and is doing a, a memory box creating that memory box so that they have this special place that they can go to it has pictures and like mementos but i also have encouraged them to write or draw things that maybe their loved one gave to them that isn't a tangible item, right? So it might be like, I have their smile or they taught me to ride a bike or um, this is our favorite memory together. So that's a great one. I think for the holidays, I, ju- I actually just did this activity a couple days ago as a family session where d- we did ornaments. So we had these plastic ornaments that you could get at like, you know, any art store and they cut out pictures and we had all of the little um you know, holiday decorations and they put it inside the ornaments and wrote memories on the outside. It was just an opportunity to share and feel validated and then they can kind of place it. But I mean, I I did, I also did the other day too, I did a stocking. So they created a stocking for their loved one and then 
I said it's kind of a place too if they want to, you know, draw pictures or write a note or anything like that. They'll tuck it inside the stocking. Sometimes kids will want to even purchase a gift for their loved one, which I think is really beautiful. Um, or purchase a gift that maybe their loved one would also want to be part of and then donate it to somebody in need. Um, oh, I love that too. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. So there's been, I mean, there's so many, there's really, you could take anything and you can kind of twist it and create it in, into a, a memory making activity. I like to set with families, especially if we have the time. I think right when a loss happens, you are kind of flooded with support. Mm. But then some of the feedback we have received from some of our Wonders and Worries families is that first year, that second year, that third yeah. year, that support starts to look very different. And some of the people that were maybe like front runners and caring for you, their lives carry on. And mm -hmm. And so one of the things I love to do with families is kind of set the stage for future winks is what I call it. I love to have families go on walks, like remembering walks with their kids after someone has passed away and they take handfuls of wildflower seeds. And as they are walking on trails or someplace they loved to walk together, they just kind of throw out wildflower seeds. And so then in seasons to come, as those wildflowers pop up, those are almost like ways of remembering, right? Those are almost little winks and hellos because they're things that come later that just continue to come that are self-feeding. They're there on their own. The rain feeds them and they pop up. Other things we do is we'll tie little bells to trees, like mm -hmm. little those bags of 30. It cost a dollar online, you know. Have those come and then have your kids take little pipe cleaners and they can tie them. If you're walking on like a nature trail or something, just have them put them in little branches along the way as you're walking or talking or being quiet, just listening to nature. They sound nice. But then later on down the road, when they hear the bells, you know, kind of chime, it's almost like a little hello. And so mm -hmm. those are kind of my favorite little things that you can do for later. Like when, That's the, beautiful. when the support kind of starts to trickle a little bit away, what can you do yeah. to kind of have support for later? Absolutely, because it transforms, right? It does. It looks different for sure. So number two, I love this for for both of us because I mm -hmm. feel like it's unique to our populations. What are our favorite ways to partner with someone in the community? Oh, I do this a lot. So I work with schools, community organizations, funeral homes, hospice agencies. I'll come in and for if it's like a professional kind of organization, I'll come in and give some education on child life and how I can provide support. And then there's um, usually some sort of dialogue and then helping to reach to support the clients that they see. And then for other things like schools and preschools or, you know, mommy and me groups, like I love to go in, provide like a hands-on workshop where we're doing like basically, you know, a teddy bear clinic that we would do inside the hospital, right? We're bringing medical and dental play and arts and crafts and normalizing those fears and worries that you get going to a hospital. It's usually a great way where a conversation happens, like in a kindergarten classroom where you talk about the body and like every five-year-old shoots their hand up because they're like, my grandma was sick. I broke my arm. My sister got her tonsils out, right? Like everyone can relate to it. And then you give them that opportunity to explore and play with medical play and then do another like coping activity. And you just 
here you had an opportunity with like 30 little kids to plant these seeds for when they go to the doctor or the dentist or they're working with a friend or ta- somebody's talking about something that we had talked about. Like they are sharing like, oh, I can sit on my mommy's lap or I know that I can take, you know, big deep breaths and pretend to blow out my birthday candles when I get my shot. Like whatever it is like that, I feel like is such it's so important to kind of give back in that way in a bit in a larger type of mass in that community. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. I would say medical teaching in general Mm. is probably my favorite. And even if you've been in the field for a long time and maybe you are not full-time in the profession anymore, you're working in a part-time or PRN or contract capacity, finding ways to plug that education and awareness in your community, like you were saying, is such a, such a gift. I think that, I have probably taught half my neighborhood how to swallow pills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, yes. It's, they know, like, if, if you need to learn to swallow pills, go to this house and she'll yeah. teach you. It's just yeah. that is that is what we do. We are we are trained in teaching children to be the boss of their bodies and feel less afraid in that role. And so I love <laughs> I love getting to teach kids how to do that and what their bodies yeah. are capable of doing. So finding opportunities to partner with your counselors at school and, you know, just dentist office and mm-hmm. and pediatricians. And when they were, when COVID had broken out and they were they opened up vaccinations for kids and they were doing drive through vaccination clinics. And a lot of those were not done just at pediatrician offices, but they were done no. also these other just random through the state at least here in Texas, through the state yeah, facilities. Too. And I went up there and I just was trying to give some education on like comfort holds and on, yeah. you know, kid choices. And, and so that little kids weren't just being held down. And and so even when I pulled up with my kids, it can look like modeling. Like I pulled up mm-hmm. with my kids to get them vaccinated and we rolled down our windows and we saw a car in front of us with kids screaming and crying. And I asked the mom, like, can we go first? And your kids watch my kids. And so we did that and I, I knew my kids would do well. And so we rolled down our windows and they watched my kids do it. And then we and they cheered for us and then we cheered for them. And Aww. and and then the doctor was like, can you come back tomorrow? And I was like, no, <laughs> no. But right. like but model like use some of these techniques and like make it a game and anyway yeah use play yeah. bring it back to play play like, put yeah. play in your practice and yeah i think that it makes such a difference so yeah okay our number one are we ready i'll give a little drum roll mm. maybe do, i can do, do, find do, a way do, do, to do, do. like enter it in with my sound <laughs> editing we're both parents in yeah fact, actually you didn't even mention child life mommy i was kind of uh, oh Oh, I was yeah. hoping you would. So Child take a quick like minute mommy. and you need to you yeah. need to mention that here. Child what is like that? mommy. So that means well, I'm just a mom, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a mom and I'm a child life specialist. But child life mommy is essentially it started out as like a blog, which is now like a website, but now it's like my private practice. It is on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of that. And it's a, it's basically a platform to share resources with parents and caregivers and professionals and patients themselves on all the things we're talking about now, right? Like basically how to cope with these really hard life challenges. But 
Yes. Sometimes it's funny. I've gone to conference and people are like, there's child life mommy. And my kids are like, what is she? Who is that person? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. You're like, I'm kind of a big deal. In the child life world. Yes. You know, but just a regular mom. Just a regular mom. Still child life specialist, still making mistakes, but you know. And so that. That is our number one because you and I are both mom of kids, of teens, Mm. of middle littles. Yes, Yes, we're still moms. And what is our favorite advice that we have ever been given as a parent? Ooh, um, well, two things. Well, I think that I've been I've been given, but actually one that I give. I would say do both. Do both. it, It would be it would be that you know your child better than anybody. I tell parents that all the time. Doctors know medicine, nurses know how to do the procedures, but you know your child better than anybody. So advocate that. And especially right now in the healthcare system, you have to. Yes. So you got to push really strong. You know their likes, their dislikes, you know their past experiences, you know their fears and their worries and the things that comfort and, and calm them. So use that. That is such great information that's going to help both of you cope in whatever circumstance you're in. So just, I think that, and then um, I think that piece of advice that I got when I was especially a new mom, brand new, was that, you know, everybody gives new advice on everything. Like, oh, you hold the baby this way, this is how you go to sleep, and you got to sleep when the baby sleeps. No, it doesn't work when you have a colicky reflux infant that's screaming all the time. Nope. So the best advice I got from my mom was, you do what works for you. Yes. That's it. You don't need to listen to anybody else. Just do what works for you. And that's actually something I still do Mm -hmm. now. The best advice that I have ever given and I also now give to other people is you don't have to be great all the time. You just have to be. Mm -hmm. You just have to be there. Bring it back to play. And you, if you're having a bad day, y'all do some aggressive play. If you're having a sad day, you do some feelings play. And you just bring it back to play. Mm, yes, I love that. You can always yeah. calm down with that joke, with a little love, just some attention through play. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. Please subscribe and continue to check back as our content is ever evolving. For questions or specific content-related requests, please send an email to podcast at wondersandworries.org.